Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Bright with Elise podcast. So glad you're with us today. Today is a really cool episode and it's something that I've actually struggled with for probably the past several years, really since I've become kind of my own person, um, more of an adult. Um, and that's the conversation around politics. And I know this is a scary one, but we're just going to dive in. Um, there's, it's not as much about politics as it is, as it is how to engage with politics. It's something that I've literally wrestled with many, many times. So I'm really excited about this, um, guest I have. Her name is Alexandra Gaskins. Um, we, we met recently. Well, we didn't meet recently. We met up recently and just started conversing a bit about this. And we're covering a lot in here. So because of that, we actually decided to make this two episodes. Um, We had a really long conversation. So it's going to be a part one, part two. Um, If the ending feels a little bit abrupt, it's because it is. (laughs) So don't worry. I'll be back at at the end of this episode to wrap things up. And then also um, next week for the next part of it. So so excited and help me welcome Alex. Alex, we're so glad that you're on our podcast today. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really grateful for this space to have this conversation. Yeah, me me too. When I thought about this topic, you are the first person that came to my mind. So it's kind of cool that God has crossed our paths over the last, honestly, two months or so. It hasn't been very long. Um, and here we are able to talk about this. So um, just as a way of introduction, I would love for you to just share briefly about who you are, where you're at in life, um, and what's just a couple significant things about you before we jump in. Yeah, so I am currently a stay-at-home mom. I have four boys, uh, eight, six, four, and one. And so I... a lot. (laughs) Yep. So I spend pretty much all my days and some of my nights just caring for the boys and investing in them. And um, so that's, that's my current job role. Um, I'm married to Ron. We've been married almost 11 years. Um, Moved to Greenville about, Greenville, North Carolina, about seven years ago. And prior to that, we were in Winston-Salem, which is where I know Elise. We went to the same church, Calvary Baptist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Was on staff there for about eight years doing community ministry. Um, And it was just an incredible journey there. And that's how I Um, Got to know Elise and her family and so many other great people through Calvary. Um, So that's... Yeah. And I remember when I was like, honestly, middle school, (laughs) maybe high school. I don't remember. I was the youngin. And I saw you in your element at at Calvary and community ministries. And I was always like, this girl is on fire for serving the people around her, which, um, I've realized even in this season of the podcast is something that I'm, I've had to learn a lot about cause it's not, it's not natural to me. It's very like, um, it's, it's just hard to, to be intentional about that. And I really, I've always respected that a lot about you. So we didn't really ever connect until a couple of months ago, I posted something on Instagram. I don't even know what it was. And you DM'd me and you were like, hey, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. So we started Marco Poloing and it's been just really cool to see um, how our different thoughts connect, how different passions connect. Um, and just to, like see this random connection from years ago come to fruition um, in my adult life now. I think you were already an adult when I met you. Um, so yeah, definitely a young adult, but Yeah, I just really appreciate you being on here. And, um, you know, what we're going to be talking about today is this this idea of how to engage 
our world, our space, our community, our church culture in the area of political discussion, politics, um, the scene that is crazy now. I mean, everybody knows it's crazy. And it's something that I have wrestled with for probably the last three years in my young adult life um, and have had a lot of hard hard times like struggling through um, a lot of questions. And I think questions are awesome. That's something that I always want to really encourage um, in this podcast space is asking questions because I think there's so much like we don't have to hide from the truth. So we can ask questions about the truth and the truth will like reveal itself. You know, it's not like it's not, God isn't hiding truth from us. So we can ask questions. And um, it's been something, especially in the last, I don't know, five years or so that a, I've become an adult, but also realized that there's a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot there (laughs) in the political scene. So, um, yeah, I, I, we're, we're going to jump all into it, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. And, um, I don't know, like when you first became aware of politics and aware of this, but, um, yeah, I want to pray over our conversation before we jump in, but then we're just going to dive into, what it looks like to engage the political scene well. So um, any thoughts before I jump into a prayer? No, let's pray and then we'll just jump in and let the Spirit lead us. Okay, cool. Father, we love you and we're grateful that you're here with us. And we give this this hour or so to you. And we know that you, um, you're in charge, you're driving, and that um, we just ask that whatever is not of you, it just fall away and... Um, it, you would challenge us to think, to think deeper, to think differently about your kingdom and how it, how it um, shows up on this earth. So we love you. Amen. So let's jump in. Um, so I know we've talked about like, why care? Like, why care about this? Um, and I would love to just start there about why do we need to ask questions about this um, as Christians, as believers? Why does this matter? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, as we were talking, we both agreed that the foundation of our concern and our care is spiritual, that because we are Christ followers, because we're believers, that motivates us to want to be aware and engaged in important issues, um, issues that are governed by politics are not um, insignificant. They're weighty. Yeah. They're important. They um, are important to us, but ultimately to the Lord. And so I just want to say that it's not unimportant or insignificant, insignificant to, to be aware, to be concerned, to be engaged. And I think, I think we have a biblical mandate to, to be good Mm -hmm. citizens and to, to have some level of civic engagement. Um, I think what I have just been kind of stewing over is the just the balance of um, of weighing the fact that political issues are significant but they're not eternal and I feel mm, like that's good I feel like a lot of times that gets a little bit blurry with the, <laughs> the way that the church has gotten connected to politics I feel like there's um, there's, there's perhaps a false sense of connection between the two. And so, Mm. um, I try to remind myself of that fairly frequently, but I I just think 
Um, you know, when it comes to spiritual motivation, I think that you look at scripture and one, you remember the work of the gospel in your own life, in my own life. Um, and we talked about this the other day that we are sinners saved by grace. Yeah. And so that right there gives us a posture of humility because we are, we are, um, humbled by God's salvation and his work in our life. Mm. Um, and then it also gives us a sense of mission that we are, um, on mission for God. And so the challenge is how to be faithful. What does that look like? Um, to be faithful in the public square, um, when there's just, there's so much going on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult because the public square involves so many mixed groups of people. So there's like, you have classes, you have backgrounds, you have family structures, you have races, you have belief systems. So there's all these things that are being governed by, especially in, well, we're talking pretty strictly about America today. Well, yeah, for a conversation, pretty much about the U.S. But the po- the political scene impacts all of those people in different ways. So it's very difficult to because it's not the actual kingdom of God, it's very difficult to engage and, and meet all of those needs at one time. Um, and so I like that you said it's not insignificant, but it is, it's not also eternal, but it is important. Um, and in that sense, it, it carries eternal weight and how we engage with it as Christians. And I think that's so important, um, and very difficult. (laughs) It takes a lot of wisdom. Um, And so I want to talk, and I think we can camp out here for a second, but just about like what's happening. I mean, I know I kind of shared briefly about how I was like, what in the world is happening? Literally what in the world is happening in our country and what's like, what's going on and just kind of stepping back and realizing there's a lot of, there's a lot happening here. Um, So I'm curious about for you, like, when did that, when did you step back and say, wow, this is interesting. This is different. This is maybe unhealthy in the political space in the U.S.? You know, it's it's been something that's been on my mind ever since I got involved with community ministries um, because as I got to know folks that I was serving alongside, um, that we were serving in the community, um, typically the poor, <laughs> um, I got to know them and their stories. And then I was hearing a political bend from my conservative friends that felt unfair in some ways and Mm -hmm. felt very stereotypical and didn't um, completely line up with the experience that I was seeing from Mm -hmm. folks that I was serving, um, communities I was investing in, that I was getting to know neighbors in. Um, And so I I felt tension there for a long, long time. I would say um, that grew exponentially when Trump came on the scene. Um, yeah. You know, it's hard, Elise. I I consider myself um, probably a moderate conservative. Um, mm-hmm. It's more comfortable for me to vote Republican. It's more mm-hmm. comfortable for me to lean right. And I think when Trump came on the scene... Um, it was very, very confusing for me, um, mm. especially what felt like almost unanim- unanimous support from the evangelical community. And 
you know, these are, these are people and, you know, I'm lumping folks together. I know this doesn't cover every single individual, but these are people who by and large were very vocal about immorality of democratic candidates, um, who were very outspoken about their misconduct. And, and then I felt like Trump came on the scene and was, it was just a, a new kind of politician. Yeah. And there was just silence from the evangelical community, uh, largely. Um, and it was very confusing for me. And I think that was the beginning of a new level of awareness and questioning for me that I had not done prior. Hmm. Um, what about you? Where, where did it start for you? Um, I think it was honestly when I started realizing that racism was an issue in our country. Um, and that was probably in college at some point, um, which is telling in and of itself, just like my, my lack of awareness there, which is sad. And I've learned a lot since then, which I'm really grateful for. But I think a a similar thing, like I, I became friends with people that were way different than me. And I realized, like, I started learning how different people are voting and why, and why these things matter to them. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, this isn't, it was like, I want to explain a picture in my head, but it's like, it was just this like muddy confusion of mess in my head. And I was like, this does not make sense. Because like you said, you know, I'm hearing from the evangelical community whom I have received a ton from, right? Like that's a, that's a reality. But then there's this like, this, this this silence, um, this lack of, lack of engagement that literally confused me. I was like, wait, wait, aren't we going to say something about this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, surely we'll say something about this, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's when I woke up. Cause then, cause my friends were like, Hey, are you guys, are you going to say something about this? And I'm, I'm like, I think so, you know? And then I'm caught in this in between where I was like, wow, this is, I know this person. I, go to their house and eat dinner with them. I play with their kids and the, the U S or the, even the church culture I live in looks way different than their reality. Um, and that was like my wake up call. And I think a lot of it was in the church, but then it eventually led to, okay, how do I vote and engage politically because of this, Mm -hmm. this reality? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Let me also share, because um, I think this is this is relevant, and it was it was pretty informative for me. As Trump was coming on the scene, I guess that was fourteen, fifteen. I started to be involved in a Be the Bridge group, and it just was it was just God's sovereign timing that a group formed in Greenville um, about the same time that the elections were coming up for the twenty sixteen election. Um, Be the Bridge is a racial, a biblical Christian racial reconciliation group that seeks to gather folks of different races and ethnicities to basically talk about what the Bible has to say about race, race, racism, reconciliation, all of that stuff. So about the same time that Trump was coming on the scene was about the same time that I was getting involved in our local Be the Bridge group. And so Mm -hmm. for my group, it was five white women and four black women and, um, the women, the, the black women in our group are just godly women who love the Lord and are committed to the local church and, um, just bright, smart women. And so hearing their perspective 
as as Christian women of yeah. color was um, hmm. was helpful and exciting and also just heartbreaking because yeah. it was so different from what I was seeing on Facebook and what I mm-hmm. was largely hearing from the conservative Christian community that, that I have known and that I love and that has invested so much in my life. And so it really um, brought me to kind of a crisis of belief. Um, yeah. Because I was hearing these women, their experience and how they were processing um, the election and all of that yeah. and Trump. And I was seeing what felt like unwavering support for Trump. And um, I had obviously my own opinions, but it was it was and continues to be very hard to reconcile. And that was, like I said, that, that whole season of... Um, campaigning and all of that was was just very very challenging and brought this issue that we're discussing today um, very very much to the forefront of of my mind and my heart yeah it's interesting because the things that we're highlighting right now is what is what highlighted it for us was relationships with people and I think that's a very significant thing and honestly really convicting to me because it challenges me and this is maybe can challenge some of the people listening of Hey, if you find yourself one track minded all the time, who are you engaging with? You know, is it people that are look the same, talk the same, breathe the same, eat the same? Is it people that are different than you? Um, Who's sitting at your table? You know, that was one of the biggest like convicting things for me when I was learning about the reality of, of racism in our country um, is who's sitting at my table? Like who's eating dinner with me? <laughs> Who am I inviting over? Um, so it's just, it's just a random, like the, the relationship thing was the thing that highlighted it. Um, so, so I would love to think about just this like heavy, um, polarization group think that kind of began to form, um, I think a lot of it also has to do with technology, like that kind of, mm-hmm. uh, like doubled it, doubled the effect of it. Um, but that, that's been a huge thing for a huge thing I've realized is this like heavy, heavy group think. Um, and that's the only right I can think about the polarization of it. Um, but what have you noticed about that? And like, how have you seen that be or really affect this engagement with politics? It's honestly really scary to me because, I feel like there is a large subgroup of particularly Christians that is either unwilling to think critically about issues or is willing to think critically but is not willing to speak out about it mm-hmm. when it disagrees with their political alignment. Yes. And so what happens is there um there's just kind of sloppy ideology and a lot of contradictions and you see it on both sides. And it's, and so, you know, for me, I am an independent registered independent. Um, like I said earlier, I would classify myself as a moderate conservative. Mm -hmm. Um, it's comfortable to, to vote Republican or it has been, (laughs) um, (laughs) You know, so I'm, I'm not, I know some people probably think I'm like a flaming liberal, but I'm, you know, that's not how I classify myself at least. Um, but you start looking at 
really important issues, and mm-hmm. I feel like there's just a laziness to think yes. critically about issues and the contradictions of our position. So, you know, I'll give you a couple of examples that, that I jotted down I was, as I was just preparing for our time together. Um, so, you know, when Black Lives Matter, when the protest started after George Floyd, um, you know, I heard a lot of conservatives say essentially dismissing the movement because some of the protesters were vandalizing mm-hmm. businesses and property, you know, property, um, all kinds of stuff, you know, yeah. I get it. It's, it's not good. It's not right. I get it. So that gave them leverage to essentially dismiss the movement and the issue because they felt like part of the group was vandalizing property. That's mm-hmm. a simplification, I know. But so then you have the Capitol riots where you have obviously an extreme group of conservatives mm-hmm. um, who go and vandalize the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And I literally hear nothing Mm-hmm. from my conservative friends, you know? And so, like, that's so hard to reconcile, and it goes both ways. So, yes. like, another example would be, like, abortion, you know, a huge issue, a weighty issue, um, a sanctity of life issue, you know, right. not insignificant. And so, rightly, evangelicals are wanting to protect the life of unborn, you know? And so, like, you see liberal friends who are up in arms about, you know, like, an eagle's egg, like the the unborn life of an eagle bird. Right. You know? Protected at all costs. Yeah, at all costs. (laughs) And yet the unborn life of a baby is is dismissed, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I don't want to make it sound like there's only contradictions on one side or the other. It's just that, I mean, I have a list of probably 10 examples where there's just, there's so much inconsistency Mm -hmm. in, in ideologies and in, you know, in these issues that again are significant issues. And so it's like, you know, like morality, issues of morality, like you have a democratic candidate who is immoral and rightly so, you know, conservative folks are up in arms and are calling them out and are blasting them on social media. And yet you have someone like Trump or, you know, there's, he's not the only one and there's just crickets. There's no, what felt like again, you know, it's, this is a kind of a broad, um, glossing, glossing over of stereotypes here, but you know, it felt like there was very little pushback when it came to the Republican candidate that was pushing their, you know, their values. And mm-hmm. so somehow it felt like his immorality was dismissed. It wasn't an issue mm-hmm. where it was a huge issue if it was Clinton or whoever it was, you know, and that's just hard for me to reconcile. Yeah. It was worth, it was worth slander, like yeah. verbal, a lot of verbal, I don't know, just slander if it's somebody that's on the other camp. And that's the thing is like, I I hear people dismissively say like, oh yeah, I'm not a huge fan of when Trump did that, but like, but whatever, you know, but it's that same, um, gift of, I don't know, forgiveness, passing over it is not given to both sides. And I think that's where we start to really get to these like, 
labels, like the labels. And that's something that I really have like thought a lot about as I've processed this. And even something that you just said is like, people probably think I'm a blank flaming liberal, but I'm actually just moderately, I'm moderately conservative, but I'm thinking about these things. I'm asking questions and I'm challenging people when they post things that are actually sinful, you know, and, and like challenging them and inviting people to challenge me back. And that's such a foreign concept, you know, and people like, you're right. People probably do assume that you are X, Y, Z, you know, and that's where, and I've had to catch myself too. Cause I do that. And this is where like, we got, we got to take a little humble pill. Um, like I do that to people that I see as extreme um, sure. and I, and I put them in really far right and really far left camps. And I'm like, you're super close-minded when they might not actually be, you know, and I need to start asking questions too. So it's this posture of humility that I think is so necessary as we engage with each other. Um, and, and that's what Jesus, like Jesus is the most humble person tonight at dinner. My family was talking about how it's so crazy that he washed the disciples feet. It's just insane that he did that, you know, and that's what he also expects of us and, and with us. And so, um, yeah, I just, it's, it's just the contradiction is, is a lot. And so back to the group thing, um, conversation, like, how do you think this affects, um, believers? Like, how does this affect believers? It's affects believers hugely. Um, I think the hardest part for me has been seeing the divide in the local church. Mm-hmm. Well, two things, two things that have been really, really difficult for me to to process. Um, one is the way that that this polarization has divided the church, and I've seen it literally within the church I'm attending now. There mm-hmm. literally was a, a group of people that left our congregation largely because of the issues we're talking about now. Um, but also just probably more more than than that is just how confusing it is to an unbelieving world to to try mm. to make sense of who Christ is based on how mm. the church is engaging politics. And I know that God is bigger than the church, but, you know, <laughs> we are his people and we are called to paint a picture of his kingdom and to... Yeah. And to reflect Christ. And, you know, we don't do it perfectly by any means, of course. None of us do. But I just get really heartbroken for the witness of the church um, in all of this. And and I know because I've seen comments on social media from folks who just can't reconcile how people who claim Christ— on, on both sides, you know, right. can support this issue or can support this candidate or it's really hard. It's really complicated, um, but it's weighty. It's eternal, you know, and I just feel like, man, you know, I just was, as I was preparing for our conversation, I was just thinking about the verse in John, John 13, that essentially says that the world, we will know we are Christians by our love, Yeah, you know? And I'm just thinking like, man, like where, where's the love? You know, I feel like all mm-hmm. I hear is just bickering and name calling and mudslinging. And it's just, it's really heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Um, Alex, why do you think, why can't, 
why can we not engage? Like, why is this so difficult for even like within the church? Why is it so, like, I don't, I'm having a hard time understanding how it's just so polarized. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, again, the, these are important issues, and and rightly so. People care a lot about important issues related to marriage and family and sexuality yeah. and human life. You know, so I get it, and it's important to me. But I feel like, um, I feel like those issues have been oversimplified to where, um. There's a large subgroup of the evangelical community that feels like you can only be a right-winged conservative Republican and care mm. about those issues. And I feel like, you know, one, one of the questions we were bouncing off each other was, how do you prioritize policy? Mm. You know, and, and I think from the evangelical perspective, it's like abortion and, um, Hmm. marriage, um, like sexuality, marriage, like those kind of are at the top of the priority ladder is is my, is kind of my general assumption. I don't know if you would agree with that. Um, and so the way that I look at it, I mean, obviously those are incredibly important issues. I would say, you know, for instance, for abortion, that falls under the umbrella of the sanctity of life. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I look at abortion and um, hugely significant. You know, I think God creates life um, from conception and it should be protected from conception. And I think from conception to natural death, we should fight for the the life and the dignity of every human being mm-hmm. in utero all the way to the grave. And so, you know, so abortion is hugely significant um, and it falls into this, this continuum of sanctity of life, you know? And mm-hmm. so I feel like, there are, you know, probably 15 other issues that are, that are on that spectrum. And so, um, while that is hugely significant, it's not the only one, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I guess I can, I take that one issue and I, I balance it against all of the other issues that fall on that spectrum to me. So like, for instance, um, how we treat refugees, um, how we care for the poor, um, how we value those at the end of their life. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on right. and on, you know? And, and so, um, on one hand, abortion in and of itself is, I see why it gets a priority. I just wish it was recognized in the midst of yeah. other issues on that spectrum of sanctity of life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just feel like there's been this battle cry around a handful of issues, and I feel like they're oversimplified. Yeah. Um, and and it's like, like you got to choose your side, and you got to like dig your feet in the ground, and you got to like bare your arms and, mm-hmm. and like fight. You know, and I just don't have that posture. Like that's not the way that I. And viewing culture and society and how I want to relate to my neighbors and how I want to bear witness to who Jesus is and what his kingdom is about. And I just, I get that kind of hostility, the sense of hostility from those who like are entrenched on either side. I don't know if you feel that same way, but. I think that's where I get really confused with this conversation because it seems like people 
in my life, it's such an avoided conversation. And I, that, that makes me sad because there's so many important things in this conversation. Like you're saying, even just in the sanctity of life umbrella, numerous conversations of like, okay, all through the gospels and the Bible is God valuing, God is saying life is important. So it's important to me. It should be important to you. But we can't, like, we can't even talk about it in a way that's like a humble approach, honoring to each other. And I think that's so harmful to each other, but also to the people that are influenced by our votes, you know? Well, Um, I mean, and another thing that I think is important to note that we've discussed a good bit in our conversation before this recording is what is feeding into the hostility, which is essentially what you just asked me. But, you know, we've talked about the role of cable news, of social media, of um, internet algorithms that basically feed our bias and push us to the extreme. Um, You know, it's... uh, it's not by mistake that we that we are led to right. the you know the extreme ends of our belief system, and I think it might be valuable to spend some time on those three issues if you're game. Yeah, I think what really woke me up to this was the documentary on Netflix called "The Social Dilemma." I don't know. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen it. That? Yeah, it's okay. really good. Um, it wrecked me. <laughs> I like watched that and I was like, John, you have to watch this tonight. Yeah, super so I watched it twice in one day. Yeah. But the biggest thing was that stuck out to me and that they highlighted in this documentary was how the algorithms are intentionally grouping and polarizing based on what you're letting them know about you, right? Like through what you're liking, what you're engaging with, that's what they're picking up on and therefore grouping you into. Mm-hmm. So if you like three things about Nike, well, you're going to be in like the the Nike homies group, you know, yeah. to where you're like getting all the Nike content around influencers that do Nike, like all this stuff. Um, so when it gets to stuff like these real big issues that can actually incite a lot of violence in people's life because of this group think mentality, it gets scary. Like it gets very scary. And so it made me also do a double take on like, okay, who am I following on Instagram? Like Mm -hmm. who are my top feed people that are showing up? Are they, am I feeding my mind with, with good things or not good things? You know, likewise, what news sources am I getting? And I know we'll probably dig into this and I want to give some resources too, which I have several, um, at the end that we can give, you guys, but, um, changing that was huge for me. Like this information that I'm intaking, it's going to come out in some, in some capacity. Right. Um, so what kind of like, what have you shifted in your intake or what have you noticed about that? That's like influenced your thinking. Yeah, this was huge for me. Um, I, yeah. So we talked about cable news. We talked about social media. We talked about internet algorithms and I came to somewhat of a crisis where I just was really anxious and angry and distracted. And I really just started digging as to like, what is going on? Cause I'm not naturally really any of those things, maybe distracted mm-hmm. cause I have four kids. And so my mind is always in a million directions, but I'm not naturally anxious or angry. And I found myself 
-hmm. very anxious and very angry. And there was a season, uh, about a year, maybe a year and a half, where I would say I got addicted to cable news. And it Mm -hmm. um, it was around the time of the 2020 election where I just felt like the stakes were really high. Yeah. And all the stuff with George Floyd had gone on and I just felt the need to be really informed. Mm. And so what started out as watching um, cable news, you know, making dinner, just grew and grew and grew. And where I found myself within you know, months was essentially anytime the TV was on, it was cable news. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't need to tell you, but it's so incredibly biased. It's Mm -hmm. so incredibly biased. Even when you want to find unbiased, there's there, I believe there is no unbiased cable news source. I just don't Mm. think it exists. And so like, for instance, you know, Ron and I, Ron, my husband, we, we watched the debates And, you know, we had our own thoughts, but we went to Fox News and we went to CNN and it was literally like they saw two different debates. I mean, the way that they processed what happened was completely different. Yeah. And I, you know, I just felt like it was too much. It was too much information. And this is kind of a, this is somewhat of a tangent, but this was really pivotal for me in this journey Mm -hmm. was I read this blog of... Hmm. A friend of mine from Winston, a pastor, he was a pastor at Winston-Salem first, and he's since moved to Florida, but he posted a blog about a conversation that he had with a rabbi friend of his, and they were talking about the symbolism of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and Mm. um, the implications of what it meant for Adam and Eve to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this rabbi was sharing that one of the implications of the fall is that we have access to too much information. Um, And like too much information, whether it's good or whether it's bad, is is not good. You know, it's harmful. And I just started to feel that deeply (laughs) within my soul. It was like, I was hearing the same story, the same narrative over and over and over again. And it was way more than what I was hearing of from the Bible, from my pastors. Mm -hmm. I mean, the ratio of like how I was letting God speak to me through scripture and through the past, through my pastors versus cable news was like, just way off, way, way off, you know? And so I just, I just kind of was praying about my mental health and just felt convicted that I needed to just stop watching cable news. And so I did, I just, I just cut it out and it was hugely significant. And about that same time, I was wrestling with social media as well, because I felt like that was another source of my anxiety and my anger. (laughs) And Um, So I went through a season where I I got off Facebook, and then I went through a season where I got off Instagram. And I think for me, Instagram, I don't know about you, about who you follow on Instagram, but it was largely people I did not know personally, or maybe not Mm -hmm. largely, but a good chunk of people that I followed were celebrities, were... um, you know, spiritual leaders, yeah, reality TV, random people that have zero significance <laughs> in my life. Bachelor, Bachelorette. <laughs> yeah, it's like the most random people. Yeah. And so, I, like, they're in my feet. I'm like, why am I spending, like, any of my brain cells caring about 
these people that have zero significance in my life. And so I ended up deleting all of my friends or follow people I was following that had the blue mark on them Mm -hmm. and Instagram. Oh, that's cool. I did that first and I just deleted the whole thing because I realized that what I was doing was I was going to Facebook and I was, you know, getting caught up or whatever. And I was going to Instagram and wasting my time twice getting the exact same information (laughs) from people that I just saw on Facebook. Yeah. And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, this is just not helpful. And mm-hmm. it just le- it just was um, part of me feeling, like I said, anxious and angry and distracted. And so, um, hmm. and so I'm just a lot more mindful of it now. I don't yeah. watch cable news at all. Um, like you said, I try to be really intentional about where I get my news from. Um, I try to only watch local news and like, I will watch good morning America, but, um, like zero cable news. Um, and I'm just mindful. Like (laughs) when I open up like a search engine and news stories come on, like, I don't want to click on what's going on with the Kardashians. Like I I don't need to know about what's happening with (laughs) Kylie Kardashian. Like it's not important (laughs) to me. You know what I mean? Like what in the world? Um, and, but, like, more so than Kylie, Kylie Kardashian, which is completely insignificant to me, is, like, politics. You know? It's, like, yeah. I want to control how much information I am getting and yeah. from whom I'm getting it. And so, um, as much as it can come from an unbiased source, and I can control the amount of content that I'm mm-hmm. getting, I think that's really been a game changer mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. One thing I'm thinking right now is, um, just a verse in scripture that commands us to take captive every thought. And what I was thinking about is like, when I open my new search engine at work, I have like probably 15 news stories that are just headliners, like clickbait. Um, and they make me feel emotions. Like I think about them because our thoughts lead us towards emotions, right? So when Christ challenges us to take captive every thought, I think that's also inclusive of like, it will make you feel something and that might not be of God. And so um, I think we've kind of submitted to this mindless intake Mm -hmm. of information and opinions. Mm -hmm. Like we, we have submitted to this like blind intake of opinions and sometimes we just literally accept them as truth just immediately. And I think that's where a lot of this comes into play because like you said, how much, like if we hold a screen time, right? With how much time we're in the word of God versus how much time we're scrolling social media. And I'm not trying to Jesus us here, but like, (laughs) maybe I am, I don't know. But it's like those, that information shapes our heart. Like that information literally shapes our heart. So if we're, if there's a heavy ratio difference, like we might need to look at that, you know, and invite some accountability. Hello, like call your bestie and tell them I got to stay off social media um, because it, it. I think it impacts our minds, our emotions, and then that impacts the way we treat other people and like interact with God. And that's where it's like, it gets so tricky because at the beginning of this, we talked about how, relationships are what kind of woke us up to, wow, there might be a different way to do this or think about this or engage with this. And so maybe we need to get back to that by taking out all the fake relationships online. Um, I think that's just, I think that's really important. 
Wow. I hope you guys loved that episode. I know it's a lot to cover, a lot happening, a lot of conversation, but it's, I think it's something you really need to engage in. So thanks for listening to part one. Part two is coming in the next episode. It has a lot of practical takeaways and also resources. So I'm really excited to equip you guys with some of those both in the podcast, but also um, on our, on the social media as well. So stay tuned. I'm excited for you guys to hear the next part and hope you have an amazing day.